Hi, and welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and philanthropists of the regenerative movement, people who make a difference in the world and who are committed to planetary purpose. My name is Julian Gudelai, and in today's episode, I'm hosting an interview with Joss Witten. Josh is an impact entrepreneur blending technology and business with active care for the planet. The company's projects and planetary interventions he serves aim to harmonize society with nature, catalyze a regenerative economy, and elevate human consciousness. Projects include the transit tech company Translock, for which he was named a champion of change by the White House. Translock was number five on Fast Company's list of the most innovative companies in transportation and was recently acquired by Ford Motor Company. Joss also co-founded one of the first urban farms in the southeastern United States, helping thousands of people each year to participate in a more beautiful food system. And the last uh, quotation marks here, intervention, uh, Josh is started, is called Make Soil. And that's what we're going to talk about today quite a bit more. Welcome to the show, Josh. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm excited. You're, you're already an entrepreneur, like an all-star entrepreneur, you know? Um, but, but really, we, we connected deeply around our shared love and vision for the planet, I guess. And so yes. let me start there. Like, what do, you, what do you reckon the world needs most right now that we're starting into this golden decade? It's 2020. Yeah. What does the world need? Uh, I'll phrase it three ways. Uh, one is we need to stabilize the biosphere. That's kind of my new, my new uh, way of saying save the planet. Stabilize the biosphere. Um, clearly, and that's something that like everybody can pitch in on because no matter what, no matter what you're into, you need a working biosphere to do it in. Whether you like to race cars or ride horses or plant vegetables or cook or make movies, like you need a working biosphere, and people kind of take that for granted. So let's stabilize the biosphere so we keep have so we we have this womb in which we can do all the fun stuff we like doing, and we need to elevate human consciousness. So human consciousness right now, if you were to sort of add it all up, you know, we're each packing a certain amount of consciousness at any moment, uh, but it's insufficient for 8 billion people to live peacefully and sustainably on one earth right now. So consciousness needs to rise and that's just not some kind of, you know, open your crown chakra kind of consciousness. It's, it's like becoming aware of what you consume and where it's coming from and how it's produced and what happens when you throw it away. It's really becoming conscious and aware at all levels of reality. So that needs to go up. And another way to put it is that um, right now, just about every aspect of society and every human institution is out of harmony with the biosphere. So we need to bring pretty much every single human endeavor into harmony with uh, the biosphere and living ecosystems. And we're starting almost at zero <laughs> with that. So good news is there's a lot of work to be done, a lot of meaningful work. <laughs> I like that you see that as good news. It, it definitely there's, you know, I'm a, an optimist by choice, I say, I say often, and that doesn't mean there isn't a lot of work to do. It's quite the opposite. There's a lot of work to do. And because we're, we're, we're facing this work right now on this planet, it, let, let's be optimistic about actually um, implementing some change. So I, I love where you went there right away, man. Like, saving the planet, very old notion, 
right? Like there, nothing needs to really be saved, but us as a species living in harmony with the ecosystem and the biosphere, yeah. every single human on the planet has that interest. Even if you want to have, make more money with, with drilling oil from the planet, you right. still want the biosphere to be intact right. in order to serve it. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's a great reframe. I like that a lot. So let's talk about the carbon cycle then in that regard, because I feel like part of stabilizing the biosphere here is understanding that we, as the human species, are simply part of the molecular exchange. And one of those uh, exchanges is carbon. And, and carbon has a cycle with or without us. We, we've definitely altered it. Yeah. Um, and I know that your expertise kind of goes into soil and like regenerating soil and yeah. Yeah. So the, the, you know, why did I get into soil? I mean, my expertise, you know, my expertise is in regenerating soil newly, but like my backgrounds in computer science and entrepreneurship and how the heck, you know, did I end up thinking about soil? Well, um, you know, the whole global situation with the environment, and the biosphere, it's, it's really an all hands on deck situation now, whether people realize it or not, right? It's kind of, there's, there's no room to leave it to a few experts and a few scientists and a few environmental scientists with, like it's, it's, it's really an all hands on deck situation. And totally. what, what can, what is the activity that all people can do uh, to pitch in and begin addressing climate change and pollution and waste and greenhouse gas production and chemicals uh, in our food system and the lack of nutrients. Like what is, what is one thing that every, just about every one of 8 billion people, uh, aside from babies, you know, what can they do to help? Um, and it turns out making soil together is, is that thing. It's the one thing that's uh, accessible, an accessible opportunity for every single person because every single person uh, is stewarding a bit of organic matter, which is usually left over from their meals or from the production of that food or from a tree in their backyard that's dropping apples or leaves or cut grass in their yard. So we're really at a place where uh, it's time for humanity to have a basic understanding of the carbon cycle, uh, just like teenagers all get driver's license when they're you know 14 or 15 or 16. It's like uh, by then, every young person should have had an experience of creating new soil, of capturing carbon from the air, of um, locking it into a stable, um, a stable carbon polymer, which we call uh, humus. So this is th that's why I went all in on the soil creation as a shared pastime and activity and opportunity for the human race because it's it's the one that we can all participate in you don't need expensive equipment you don't need a phd you don't need a certain amount of privilege it's like it's the i can't think of another thing that every single person can actually do uh to help address climate change immediately in a meaningful way so that's that's why uh, the soil part makes sense there you go yeah i i mean when we look at soil it's like we're addressing multiple problems at once yeah. it's yeah. like food crisis of people having access to food and the food crisis of people throwing away food um actually learning and embodying how okay. to capture carbon as you said like yeah. one of the things that I, i'm coming across in all the alternative and like regenerative kind of uh focused educational systems is that children get to put their hands into the soil more often when they grow up to understand their connection to the planet that's right yeah there's a there's a uh, 
a massive unawareness of ecosystems in general as a pattern of energy and consciousness in the universe, right? The pattern of an ecosystem is a thing. And uh, for many people, it's not, it's, I believe it's not just a factoid. Like you can go to like Wikipedia and type in ecosystem and read a, a page about what an ecosystem is. But I actually believe at this point that uh, I call it ecosystem consciousness. It's actually a type of consciousness whereby the human mind recognizes complexity of living systems all around and it doesn't need to comprehensively understand what's going on there, but it understands the ecosystem as a living system that needs to be harmonized with. And so right now, the paradigm, the dominant paradigm that most people were given is that Earth is a raw material to be transformed into products and services. And that, that will not scale times 8 billion people. So we're using to the paradigm of no, you're actually riding on the back of a living creature and you're one of many living creatures and you just need to be harmonized with this giant living creature, which is made up of ecosystems of ecosystems. And you begin to get that pattern of ecosystem consciousness loaded up in the brain and the mind and the neurology in a way that changes your perception whenever we participate in a regenerative act, whenever we steward a little ecosystem like the compost pile, whenever we watch our food scraps turn back into living soil, what I discovered is that that experience, that immersive personal experience witnessed by a person actually gives them ecosystem consciousness, regardless of their political affiliation, regardless of whether they consider themselves an environmentalist, the mind can't help but update once that feedback loop is, is um, perceived. I love that because, you know, when, when you go right beyond whether you identify with something, um, ideologically, philosophically, but you go straight into the embodiment. Mm -hmm. Like you're, you're leaving the, the dual state of, well, my political yeah. conviction doesn't allow me to think this way. No, you're realizing, as you said, we're, we are nature. And, and, and I think this is really one of the most important paradigm jumps to make is to consistently come back to this understanding. We're part of nature. So every action we take in all of the ecosystems have an effect on us as nature. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and what I want to add is that most uh, humans right now, given our given the industrial revolution and the you know not just industrial factories but the industrial education system and um, all this stuff, have never actually had a regenerative experience. Not one. Like recycling is not regenerative. It's nice when it works. It's, it's an important thing. We need to stop pulling more materials out of the earth. Uh, but it's not regenerative, it's just damage control. You know, driving an electric car, it's great. I've done it for 10 years now, it's not regenerative. It's just doing less damage. So when you think of it, the humanity right now, society right now has not had access to a regenerative experience. And that's why all this stuff about ecosystems and regeneration is just such a kind of weird abstraction for most people. So it's like you're saying, it's time to have an immersive, personal transformative experience of regeneration. And it turns out to be super satisfying to, to experience your life in harmony with the environment and participating in a regenerative act. So really, make soil is just, it looks very humble, but it's really uh, a, a way to expose hundreds of millions of people to a transformative experience. Mm, I hear that. So tell us a little bit more about the global movement, like the online platform that's there, how many soil sites there are right now, um, where like your focus groups are. I'm curious to learn more. Yeah, so, um, what I decided a couple years ago was that uh, I was going to bring together all the elements that were um, 
preventing humanity from from having this experience of ecosystems and soil making like what are the barriers you know and i found that there were some language barriers like uh just composting it's kind of terminally unsexy it wasn't going to get any cooler it wasn't going to like people thought they already knew about it or thought it was an yeah. old-fashioned thing that doesn't isn't needed anymore so i just I said okay let's 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 start talking differently so i came up with this idea of soil making and making soil instead of composting just kind of simplifying it for people and that gave rise to the notion of the soil maker like let's create an identity in society um for people to attach to that's a higher vibration identity a more productive identity so the soil maker was born and then the soil supporter was born that's the neighbor so instead of calling the neighbor like a mindless consumer destroying the planet with their purchases it's like no no now you're a soil supporter if you bring those organic pieces to a to a soil site near you so we created the notion of a soil site which is a little place on a map or in a neighborhood or at a business or it can be anywhere that a soil maker stewards the soil site and shepherds all those bits of matter from neighbors, the soil supporters, back into living soil. And so if you go to makesoil.org, you'll see the technological implementation of this language shift, this perceptual shift, this relationship um, shift between people. There's a, over 400 of these little soil sites all over the world, and we just launched about uh, a year ago. Um, and they're more popping up every single day and people are coming together at these soil sites to regenerate the planet with their with their food scraps and we really need the whole world to participate in this act and so we're doing it as uh, decentralized as possible and that's cool because uh, we see things like like dubai and the in the uae coming online as major soil soil site areas of activity now and i could have never predicted that you know one user in america emailed one person in in um, dubai and that person organized their community incredibly and um that's a positive sign you know there's other places where i put in a lot of effort and time and the team has really done a lot of grassroots mobilizing and we've got a lot of soil sites and places there like st petersburg florida but we're seeing it pop over like in the philippines it's popping up and just in South Africa, we're seeing we're seeing people get on board with this in a decentralized manner, and that's the way it's going to have to happen if we're going to get hundreds of millions of people all all creating new soil together and capturing that carbon. Yeah, the the decentralized word is definitely being being used everywhere at this point, and I I want to like stretch the reality of that a little bit. So you just said you know one person in the United States emailing one person in the UAE creates some kind of empowerment that then leads to dozens of people joining and then from those dozens of people we don't know who is the next person who gets the the, the next kind of um, cosmic wink and is like you know what i want to do this in my community and so yeah. everyone listening like this is how real change happens right like waiting for uh, leadership or role models to appear is it's definitely like we're not in that timeline anymore like i've I've spent my youth kind of wondering why we didn't have better leadership or more role models, but, but really it, it's us that we're waiting for and yeah. any small action changes that balance. Yeah, to, I also researched this question a bit of leadership and I found a few leaders I admired uh, like Gandhi and others and why aren't there more of these people? And the short of it is that like, I think independent thinking is, is very difficult in society, right? The conforming, sometimes it gets you a lot sometimes it gets you a little but it generally keeps you safe by conforming and standing out and trying stuff that's never been tried before you're either gonna be deemed a genius if it works or a total 
idiot if it fails. So it's pretty risky. So a person has to get in touch with some kind of inner drive, some kind of source of meaning beyond what society is offering and, and somehow override millions of years of evolution and conformity to say, I'm going to actually think independently. Um, and that's just, it's just very rare. It's just very difficult, like on the mind and the nervous system. <laughs> so. Talk about that, Josh. I feel like that's like where, you know, um, a segue to a more, a more personal question because I, what I've encountered is that with, with like stretching my independent thinking, being, feeling, um, apparatus I, I also had to encounter let's say loneliness or anxiety or, or, or like you know onsets on of, of depression and just like adversity right yeah so maybe in your journey because you know you have such an accelerated entrepreneurial journey and clearly you're like such a bright mind understanding the complexity of this world maybe more than others like what are what lessons are like the adversity really teaching you or like what's showing up there for you Yes. So what we haven't talked about yet, what is not apparent to the public, unless I say so, is that for all the time I've spent on entrepreneurship or learning about specific skills, specific domains like computers or technology or soil, I've spent just as much time reprogramming myself, um, working on my ego structure, um, getting in touch with uh, spiritual dimensions beyond normal societal ones and doing a lot of healing from uh, traumas and negative experiences and raking through the subconscious and identifying beliefs that are um, not optimal. So like I do, even though I, I'd say one, one of, uh, one of my strengths that I think a lot of other people are beginning to have as well is we're not seeing this dichotomy between technology and nature. It's kind of just like technology is like a, like a rough reduction of what's going on in nature. But I, 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 I see the, I, I, I can, I can see myself as a computer and my, my ego, especially as a computer running a bunch of code that's been put there from a lot of different sources. And a lot of that code isn't useful. And even though I, I see my experience myself as a biological creature and as a spiritual creature, I find the computer metaphor really useful as well. So once you realize that you carry a little supercomputer that's very active called the ego, and that that ego um, is the dominant force shaping society today, and is also the dominant uh, uh, determiner of your felt sense of well-being at any moment, you then realize, wow, I need to optimize that supercomputer because it it's in charge of way too much. <laughs> so I've spent a lot of time upgrading and debugging myself. Yeah. That's so interesting. I like that metaphor there. That's kind of, you know, when you look around and you, you, you think that the, the, the ego or the, the super egos of so many people have kind of co-created a society or a big part of it. And if, if you compare them to computers, that is what's kind of scary to me about technology sometimes is to um, reduce our existence to just that layer of who we are. Yeah, it's that a reduction. It's a reduction because you're also, as you said, a biological uh, organism and you're also a consciousness uh, perceiving all of it. So as we're kind of, you know, being pulled into the direction of consciousness there, maybe <laughs> ask another question. And it's an optional question. Uh, if you don't have an answer, you can just pass. But 
if I ask you about mindful psychedelic exploring, what comes to mind? Like what kind of um, experience you might want to share that, that, you know, has that context of mindful to it where you, maybe psychedelics or plant medicines have been of service to you? Yes, uh, I'm willing to go there. Uh, so I don't rely on them uh, too much these days, but they have been an important part of my journey. And what I'll say about, especially this phrase, plant medicines, um, it's an appropriate phrase because when do you need a medicine? You need a medicine when you're sick. You need a medicine when you've um, taken some kind of extraordinary damage. You don't take a medicine just because you didn't get enough sleep last night or whatever. But um, so we've taken so much damage in society and continue to on a daily basis, repressing our true selves, being shamed, you know, carrying around uh, destructive emotions, self-hatred of all forms. And so we're kind of in such rough shape in that sense that uh, makes a good case for medicine. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and it so happens in this day and age that um, many of the medicines that are considered uh, that are illegal should probably be legal and many of the mm. pharmaceuticals that are legal should probably be illegal. So we have that kind of situation going on. And they've been, they've been incredibly helpful. They give people a glimpse of, of realities that are somewhere on the scale of accurate to delusive, right? They, they, people can kind of have a lot of delusions on psychedelics. And what I would say is the self-work we do, the self-honesty we do, the hard work we do in relationships and therapies and journaling and um, all kinds of solid work like that really dovetails with um, psychedelics in a way that you can have a more reliably um, helpful experience, right? So, so you give one person a psychedelic and they come back having met with God or their higher self and has a new sort of higher vibration um, expectation for their own life. And you give somebody else a psychedelic and they come back talking about they saw giant grasshoppers and wearing tuxedos and it's kind of just gibberish, right? So it's, um, so I would caution people to not be irresponsible with them, to not do the work when sober that needs to be done, but also to realize that these medicines are out there to help undo a lot of damage that we are, we have taken as a society. Yeah, I'm always curious to hear personal stories or points of views about, about these topics that are, as you said, like in some communities, they might be an, a normality and in other communities, they might be still kind of more on the fringe um, of our larger society. And right. we're, we're reframing our operating systems, right? And so as we're doing that, um, I think it's for me personally, like pretending that I don't go through experiences of loneliness or anxiety or depression, that would negate that I'm a human being. Like at this state of our collective consciousness, I think having a touchdown with, with depression every now and then is just the reality of the state of our collective on this planet. Yeah. And may even be a, in a weird way, uh, a healthy response to, um, to circumstances, to ideas, that have taken hold in the mind that are poisonous. Um, I went through an in, intense uh, depression in my early 20s. There's a TED talk, a TEDx talk out there I gave called Successfully Depressed um, somewhere many years ago. And uh, I went through depression and they almost medicated me. I was clinically diagnosed 
mm. uh, took all the tests. They said, yep, you're, you're, you're a textbook depressed person. And then the guy who was supposed to give me the, uh, the antidepressants, the final psychiatrist after a team of psychologists and psychiatrists mm -hmm. said, you know, you're, uh, you essentially want me to give you uh, antidepressants because you're an intellectual. That's what he said to me. And I was just like, really? And he says, yeah. And furthermore, you're engaged in a process and the, I'm, a, I'm concerned the drugs are gonna slow it down. Hmm. I'd never heard that before. I've never heard anybody else who said they've heard that before. And, you know, I'm half convinced that psychiatrist was like an angel or something. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it, man, because like right there is, is what you said is gold, I think is if, if we didn't have a judgment of what's right or wrong or good or bad um, as, as much and as prevalently as we have in, in, in our global society, then understanding the state of the world through the eyes of depression or, or anxiety just means like, yeah, we've created the, the paradigm and the circumstances for that now what what are we inspired to do right are we making soil are we creating collaboration are we creating yeah, well, yeah. connections and quite often the, the the and so just to, to finish that story he told me to go home and pay attention to what was going on inside of me and i went home and journaled for the next three days and figured out something about reality that i'd been quite wrong about had made a quite an assumption about the total the total meaninglessness of reality was what i had come to believe i come become a total nihilist and that nihilism was was poison in my mind and it was leading to the depression and so i actually was able to reverse that to reframe in that 30 in that three-day period and the, the depression lifted instantly and so it was at that moment that i realized the power of belief um that it has over us and to be very careful of the beliefs that take hold in our mind and if we watch our health and our happiness and we watch ourselves drift into sickness of the mind, it's quite, it's a good question to ask, what kind of beliefs have I gotten hold of lately? What kind of beliefs have taken hold of me lately? And you just don't hear people like really bantering about that kind of stuff. You know, when you, when you get depressed, people just like, oh, they say like, oh, sorry, like you've got the cold, like a, you caught a cold or something. <laughs> like, I hope you feel better sometime. They don't say, well, what the heck have you come to believe in lately? You know, what kind yeah. of, what have you stopped believing in? Like, you know, like, and so that, that's my story, you know, like I, 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 my depression reversed, not that I don't get little depressions now and then, we all do, but they're, I think, a healthy response telling us that something needs to be inspected inside. Yeah, that's, that's, that's like the cyclical experience of uh, emotions and then the, the depressive state and then coming out of it, being inspired and realizing I, I don't have to give into meaninglessness, but from the, the meaninglessness, actually what birth is, is free choice. And so yeah. you're given the choice to um, say, okay, so what's next? That's right. right. And that's, that's very fascinating because I think a lot of people can actually relate. And um, when you said, what, what did you come to believe in? You know, this is actually what got me started doing this podcast and asking these questions because shared belief has been a, a troublesome question on this planet since I'm around the last 33 years, you know, like, asking people about believe and faith often turns into what differentiates us or what we try to convince others to believe. Yeah. Really like what's the shared world we all believe in? Like, do we believe in a shared world? Do we believe in a, in a planet that is actually worth living on? Um, and clearly this is actually what would be your version of that planet you, you believe is worth living on? Um, gosh, <laughs> 
Um, I believe that heaven on earth is a state of mind and hell on earth is a state of mind. And, and of course we recreate that heaven on earth or hell on earth outside of us. And so there's beliefs. There's also the beauty of going beyond beliefs where you actually, you know, beliefs, what they do is they actually filter reality down and that can be useful. And then there's times for releasing beliefs so you can access more and more of reality. And I came up with this phrase that I just keep coming back to over and over again, which is reality is a very big place. Reality is huge. So, um, so what that means in my life is that there's, there's different levels of reality and there's different truths at those different levels of reality. And so at one level of reality, we've got a lot of work to do. The planet is being destroyed by us. We're acting like a parasite. We're unconscious as consumers, blah, blah, blah. And there's meaningful work to be done and great things for us to learn now. So that's one level of reality. Another level of reality is that we're all on a very long journey to realize that our sense of well-being and happiness ultimately needs to come from somewhere inside and not from any external circumstances. So that's also true. And there's another level of reality where everything and everyone are God all the time, whether they know it or not, and everything is perfect, even the way everything's falling apart right now, and the whole universe will cycle itself again at some point and everyone will remember this and wake up. And that's, so, but you see, you can't get trapped into think, into just fixating on one level of reality because then you end up with these sort of super spiritual people who are um, not helping the planet or people, you know, or people helping the planet, but not in touch with their divinity. And so they're just like stressing out and getting cancer and dying, you know? So you see how it's important to sort of be a fan and love all levels of reality. That's, that's what I would say. That's very curious because really like it brings me to this notion, like would it be possible for a larger mass um, of humans in that sense to like hold different viewpoints at, at the same time, you know, like being able to understand like, yeah, on a cosmic timeline, my um, 80 to 120 years of lifespan are um, deliciously insignificant. But then on my personal perspective, those 80 to 120 years um, or more, depending on where technology goes, but is, are actually extremely important. But once I'm holding these different viewpoints, uh, acting against the natural cosmic kind of perfection makes no sense anymore. Right? Yeah. Yeah, which you know can be said so many it's been rediscovered many, many ways, you know, harmonizing oneself with the Tao, these kinds of right. notions. And again, the pattern of an ecosystem is very useful to begin to perceive because it helps to answer this question, which is a diversity of elements and things uh, in some kind of balance, some kind of tensegrity structure, I don't know. But you see, you see within ecosystems lots of different things that don't all really agree on what they are or what's worth doing, but they sort of keep each other in balance. And you can look at that in living systems, you can look at that in ideas, yep. you know, ecosystem of ideas. You can look at the mind as an ecosystem inside of yourself that you don't agree on really one, not all of you agrees on any one thing really, on any one priority, on what's true. You know, we're a, we're a trillion cells in an ecosystem. That's what a human being is and arising from Absolutely. that, right? So, so again, the pattern of an ecosystem is, is what's necessary because that's, what, that's the pattern that lets us embrace the complexity of it all 
without trying to make reduce it into one thing and force it on everybody else, yet that still has elements of harmony and balance and diversity and cycles of life and death and renewal. And you see, that's why the concept and the, pad, the, the consciousness of, of ecosystem consciousness is so important because then reality starts to make a lot more sense. Absolutely, and that's, that's also where I see the link to reality again. It's actually quite pragmatic in some sense. In some mm. sense. That's where make soil is so pragmatic because yeah. when we, uh, I guess between you and I, we could philosophize about these things for, for quite some time and have a, have a great experience while doing so. And I know a lot of people are very much drawn to the pragmatic and the simple, which it has inherently a lot of value because this is how we're experiencing someone else's world. So. So this ecosystem awareness or ecosystem consciousness ultimately brings us right into the beginning of the golden decade in 2020. And what is fundamentally here for us to, to work on, to, to trust in, but also to work on. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really, it's really, um, you know, my, my, my life at times seems difficult and full of challenges, but in general, I'm quite grateful that I have opportunities to explore the fundamental nature of reality conceptually and experientially, and also that I have this um, very grounded material project in Make Soil where, you know, to spend part of the day philosophizing and part of the day experiencing and part of the day carrying your coffee grounds and banana peels to a, a, you know, a steaming hot pile of regeneration where trillions of microbes are creating new living earth and to touch it with your hands and feel the warmth and to drop your food scraps in that have nourished you all week long. And it, it's, there's something just very healthy about that. And so I really encourage people um, to yes, pursue the big questions. Yes, pursue the other dimensions of reality that are less obvious. Um, but to remember that we're also here to have an earth experience mm. and, uh, and you'll be hard pressed to find an easier, more accessible and transformative and symbolic opportunity than to make soil with your neighbors. Exciting. Um, let me ask you a question about your three favorite make soil sites that you got to visit around the world. Um, that's a great question. Well, one of the favorites is my uh, dad's soil site. And I'll tell you why. Um, my dad is actually uh, a conservative Christian um, Trump supporter. So not, not that he agrees with everything Trump does, but he's, um, you know, as a, as a, we won't get into the why, but that's his guy, right? And, and, uh, and my dad doesn't really believe in climate change. And, uh, uh, has been taught that um, most environmental schemes are like a liberal scheme to destroy the economy or something or take away freedom or so and so what's funny is though by my dad loves um, gardening he loves good vegetables from the garden mm -hmm. what's funny about these like Trump supporting Republicans is they're actually so long as they decide you're their neighbor and they like you, they're like the best neighbors to have, you know, they're the ones who will like come snowplow your driveway when, you know, it's just like, they're actually quite good neighbors. You know? <laughs> and so um, he, he started a soil site. We built a soil maker box for him. And within, within uh, 24 hours from finishing that, 
he became the soil maker for 11 people in his neighborhood. These are 11 people who weren't composting before, whose food scraps were going to landfills and creating methane and CO2. And now when you look in his backyard, you see children carrying pails of food scraps over. One of them lifts the lid, the other one dumps it. They both add some leaves. It looks, it's a little slice of heaven on earth in his backyard. And, and so the funny thing is, that is that my Republican Trump supporting father is actually doing more for planetary regeneration and climate change than many identified environmentalists who are just picketing and holding signs and yelling at a guy in a suit. Mm. That's the beauty of this soil making act. You just kind of, it transcends these political yeah, lines. That's a great, <laughs> glad to ask you that. <laughs> yeah, and that's also, the, that's also the link between like, fundamental beliefs or um, thought good in that sense and just like what you're actually doing, right? So yeah. to create innovation on a peer-to-peer, human-to-human level or, or human-to-soil level, then it doesn't matter if you believe in, in Buddha, Krishna, Muhammad or Jesus or, right. or if you vote for X, Y or Z. Yeah. If you're carrying out um, being a human in the ecosystem, then you're still carrying that out and that actually creates peace inherently. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. So that was one side. I mean, there's already a great story, but you have two other sites where you're like, I love that a, a soil site happened there. Or, you know, usually I ask people, what is your, your three favorite places on the planet? But I see. No, it's a great. Um, another soil site that I love is one in, uh, it's just south of uh, Sarasota, Florida. And they brought me in to do a talk and a workshop there. Uh, as I was touring around getting soil sites going, training soil makers. And this is a food bank. So I think we're all familiar with the concept of a food bank. This is where food that's uh, becoming a bit stale or about to rot or whatever ends up, um, you know, being given uh, to, to, to economically disadvantaged people or the homeless or whatever. And these, there's food, there's thousands of food banks uh, in the U.S. And, and probably a million across the world. I don't know. And they end up with tons of rotting organic matter that um, just cannot be consumed. It just spoils right. too quickly. And so this, this food bank um, is run by a church and they decided that they're going to turn all that literal tons of food waste that they're processing into soil. And so, so if you just think about that, Every food bank could be producing tons of soil, could be capturing literal tons of carbon. Um, and, and just very few of them are really uh, hip to this notion that they could be doing that. They just don't know. So just to watch this food bank um, compost is so much food waste that's coming to them that can't be given out to people. And then they're using that soil in a garden on site to then create better produce. Because a lot of the stuff that ends up at a food bank, it's not really good for you. You know, it's just like endless amounts of Twinkies and Ho-Hos mm -hmm. and stuff. And so that, it, that was just a really beautiful um, soil site to witness. And I hope other food banks um, look at what they're doing. And, um, and you can, again, I, I can't remember the name, but if you, um, if you go to like makesoil.org, you can search all over the world for soil sites. And so, yeah, check out, check out you know, just zoom the map into Sarasota, Florida and go south and you'll see this, this great soil site there doing, doing that. And my other most famous, my other most um, uh, special soil site would be the one that I started 10 years ago 
which is which I didn't even realize what was happening, but I wanted to make soil. I learned about composting. I had no idea it was possible. I couldn't believe what I was reading on the internet that I could mix food scraps together and it would turn into dark black soil somehow. So I had to try it for myself. And I built a compost bin with a friend in my apartment complex and went door to door asking my neighbors to bring their scraps. And they started to, and we all learned how to make soil together, not knowing that it was possible. And I watched that um, dozens of people from that simple compost bin in that apartment complex went on to have to attain that ecosystem consciousness and to go from people who really didn't know anything about the planet or care much about it into people who really couldn't let food scraps go into a garbage can ever again without feeling a lot of pain and, and cringing. And so I, that was the genesis experience that I didn't know I was signing up for being set up for that gestated for 10 years and then gave rise to make soil. So. It's an interesting genesis. I I find that interesting to to visualize that like a city person in an apartment would start going around to their neighbor because it 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 somehow seems unlikely, but then that's also the reality of of so many stories that that I I know are happening because that's where the need is just so big to actually understand like how do we take topics like recycling that as you said is not inherently regenerative or topics like uh, food waste how do we take this into um, away from the abstraction of all the things that are wrong about it into just knock at your neighbor's door, figure out how much food waste they actually have as well, and then create a soil site or, or find a soil site near you. So Josh, like at the end of this, of this interview, I, I just want to, I want to know like, what, what does make soil need right now? What, what are you calling out, out for or in at, at this moment? Like how can people support this, this movement on yeah, great. multiple dimensions? Right. Thanks for asking. So firstly, if you're a living human who eats food, then please go and uh, find a soil site near you on the, on the Make Soil platform, makesoil.org. And even if there's not a soil site near you, sign up anyway, because when one does show up near you, we'll let you know. Um, and then also consider starting a soil site. So if you're one of these people who's thought maybe of learning how to brew beer or this or that, realize that you can get that same crafty satisfaction from making soil. And we actually need more soil than we need more beer right now. We've got enough of that. <laughs> and, uh, um, and, and also maybe you're, you didn't identify as an environmentalist out there, but you love community. I mean, the community that I seem forming around this regenerative act is so beautiful and powerful we have we have people who just they didn't really know about the planet much but they were like extroverted people who loved having visitors and so they created soil sites but anyways create you know think, consider creating a soil site and, and learning how to make soil there's many ways to do it whether you want to use worms or microbes or whatever very satisfying and then lastly uh, make soil is a nonprofit. i uh having been an entrepreneur a number of times I saw the failure modes that come from the human ego, whether it's founders fighting over shares or hostile takeovers by another corporation or some board of directors who, you know, some investors who need a financial return. So the, the, the mission kind of veers from the original vision. All those perils are just so common. And I thought this is way too important. This is about the fate of the planet and the fate of humanity really we can't, we can't leave any room for those kind of silly failure modes of the, of the ego. So it's a nonprofit and um, largely self-funded by me. And I 
promise you I cannot fund a global movement myself. So if you, uh, you know, we have a donation page there and it's everything from individuals donating to hopefully some big foundation out there will find us as well and realize that um, as far as bang for their buck, um, a dollar put into make soil goes a long way to help all the situations we're dealing with now because of the first order, second order, and third order effects of making soil together, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think there are um, hardly any better ways to get active in your community and yeah. uh, also understand, as you said, ecosystem consciousness. It's, it's a great gateway. Like no matter what your issue is, whatever your cause is, whatever your organization does, I guarantee that, that whatever you're trying to do will work a lot better when those people have ecosystem consciousness and are participating in this regenerative act together. So it's not the only thing we need to do, but it is the complementary thing that raises our consciousness in a very practical, practical way. And you see people capture carbon, you see them improve their diets because now they're reflecting on just what it is that they eat. You see them buying more sustainably because they don't enjoy throwing the plastic in the garbage anymore. They wanna, they have, it just feels better to put the banana peels and coffee grounds into the compost bin. So it really creates this cascading effect of goodness throughout society. So, so I really, that's why it's a nonprofit. That's why there's nothing in it for me. I don't make a penny off of it. I'm really hoping it's a, it's a, it's a unifying act that we can all get behind even though we have a diversity of opinions and priorities in the world yeah it's brilliant because it is a unifying act of also bringing us back to our humanity i have a, a, a last question that just popped in my head that i didn't know i'm going to ask but what about restaurants in cities like how are restaurants part of your your ecosystem yes so they're not a huge part of it now uh and let's talk about why uh, they produce a lot of food waste um they deal with a lot of health code challenges. The easiest thing for them to do is just to throw it away and have it hauled off really quickly. And so how do we address that? Well, remember what Make Soil is doing is it's creating uh, uh, an awareness in society that leads to millions of soil makers and hundreds of millions of soil supporters. And so as we're doing that, as we're creating that ecosystem of soil um, advocates, soil participants, what ends up happening is now you have soil makers. When there's enough soil makers, they'll go to the restaurants and, and say, hey, those are valuable organics you're throwing away. I would like to take them. They may be paid by the restaurant who has to pay for a tipping fee anyway for their dumpster to be hauled away. So you can see by creating a new benevolent um, uh, army of soil makers, we can begin to address those um, restaurants and, and industrial uh, producers of, of food scraps. Furthermore, as you get millions of people aware of what soil is and where it comes from and how we can create it out of what we thought was garbage, mm. you then arrive at consumers who will begin to demand it. So the other issue right now, this, in the short, restaurants aren't going to change until their consumers begin to find it unconscionable that they're not composting. So that's why with Make Soil, we're all the way kind of back at the beginning of this movement of seeding the world with soil makers and soil supporters who begin to demand that from the restaurants and then they will come along uh, as people's consciousness around this changes. Yeah, it's fascinating because it, it you know, when we look at, at policies and uh, legislation, they're, they're very much from that uh, brain, computer, ego part of our being, right? And then if you look at something like organic soil within cities or restaurants giving back their food scraps that then could be used for A, people that have less, which is already a big hurdle, and then B, maybe even soil, we would have to acknowledge 
in a decentral movement exactly as 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 you you know brought that stone into rolling we have we've had to acknowledge that we're we're also just another animal species within the the chain of, and the ecosystem and so yeah lots of work to do on this planet and i think this decade is going to be full of projects like this taking off and anyone listening please make sure to to um connect to your local soil makers to to make soil yourself and then maybe reach out to josh and see how you can be part of the next steps please join the movement thanks so much josh all right thank you julian it was a pleasure and that's that another episode of green planet blue planet podcast i hope you truly enjoyed this one and received some insights knowledge and a form of learning that you can directly apply to your life into your relationships or maybe even into your business and the way you show up for the world because this is a movement and we're all part of it very much so and we're in this together we're here to create a world of a triple bottom line where you win i win and the entire planet wins we're raising consciousness together and you know that that's why you're listening that's why i love you so make sure to share the love hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app invite a friend to listen to green planet blue planet podcast and if you have an idea who else you'd like me to interview make sure you reach out and send me a suggestion definitely check out greenplanet-blueplanet.com the website to the podcast i've created a lot of different offers for you free content free meditations for you to amplify your connection to self the state of social impact in the world and for you to connect and listen to who you could support of the people that i actually interview because their missions are ongoing and a lot of them need more collaboration and after more than 100 episodes now with some of the world's leading social impact experts i have synthesized my most inspired learnings and takeaways to create coaching and mentorship programs for you and the people around you let me share with you about planetary purpose coaching and mentorship experiences if you're in a space in your life where you're ready to level up to amplify who you are what's coming through you and what you're doing to give your gift to the world then I would love to hear from you and I'd love for you to apply to one of my private mentorships or group mentorships because getting all of the juice, all of that life force that's in you out into the world is something you deserve and the entire world around us deserves. Also, I work with people who are entirely new to this, to the topic of planetary purpose or the topic of meditation, the topic of insight, evolution and revolution. And if that's you and you're ready to step out of the ordinary and into creation or if you know someone who is totally ready for that, Make sure to check out the website or share the website. And you can also always shoot me a message on Instagram. I'll definitely read it and get back to you. Because, like, th guys, this is real life. Let's be in touch and let's create this together. Last but not least, there's a few different group experiences I host, both in person and online. All of them are quantum learning environments, and I'm happy to tell you more. So simply inform yourself and stay connected because whatever resonates with you, I'm here to support you and bring out more purpose into the world. And with that being said, wherever you are in the world, make sure to be you, show up all the way, be all in, connect with someone today, make them smile, have yourself a stellar day. Lots of love to you and until soon.